There are two portions of scripture today. The first portion is in the Old Testament, in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. And this is found in the Pew Bible on page 942. The Lord promises to bless Jerusalem. Zechariah 8, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. The second portion of scripture is in the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 15 to 17, that's on page 1038 of the Pew Bible. The Little Children and Jesus. Luke 18, verse 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, all. And if this is uh, a first time for you here at Knox, I just want to extend a very special welcome to you. And uh, we are very glad for your presence here with us. Today, I'm going to preach a message that is probably a little different than I usually do. Most Sundays, I work off of a specific text and then walk through that biblical text and unpack some of its meaning for us uh, today, But today, uh, what I want to do is start with a contemporary reality, the reality of sports and play, and look at a deep, I think profound, biblical theology that undergirds that phenomenon in our world. Friedrich Nietzsche, the f German philosopher, um, he was not a fan of Christianity, as uh, many of you know, um, and he once observed this about Christians. He says that Christians have no joy. And he said, if I should ever come to believe in God, he would only believe in a God who danced, a God who played, a God of delight and joy. And sadly, he was never able to locate such a God in the Christians that he interacted with. And sadly, many still can't. For many people, including many Christians, games and God and sports and spirituality and a life of faith, they just have little to do with one another. The message seems to be 
if you're a Christian, if you're really serious about that faith, then you are straight-laced, you are sober-faced, you are God's frozen chosen. Can I just say, right up front, the gospel declares a loud, not a chance to that reality. Sports and play and games are gifts of God from the Creator God, reminding us that God is the most joyful being in the universe, and the life He offers is one of delight and joy. We're getting a little flavor of that in our city these days. Panamania has come to town. The Pan Am Games are here in Toronto, and uh, it's, it's not quite overwhelmed Toronto yet because, you know, Torontonians are very nature reserved type of people. You know, we don't want to get lost in all this, but it's getting there. Go to Nathan Phillips Square, okay? And there's all sorts of goodness happening there. People are smiling and shouting and cheering and high-fiving and wearing their country's colors. Something's going on in all that. In fact, think about that, about sports and playing games. What is it that gets people to come alive in that context of play or sports? How is it that a usually very reserved person might get quite emotional at their daughter's little league soccer game? You know, just getting, losing themselves in the game. How is it that a straight-faced Bay Street banker can shout and dance at a Toronto FC game? What, what, what is the power of sport and game to elicit that? There is something powerful in it, isn't it, that connects us with a deep experience of life that surfaces some passion in us. And I don't just mean spectator sports either, you know, the sports that we watch, but also the games that we play. Many of us will join a local sports league. We play soccer or football or hockey or or we're part of a Tuesday night tennis team, or we're a part of a weekend bridge club, we experience there a pretty deep sense of community. Doing something together, like a game, like a sport, connects us to others. But it also gives us an amazing taste of something more. Often when we're playing games, whether it's a board game, you know, Settlers of Catan or Monopoly or whatever it is, or a sport, people often report how they, how they sort of lose track of themselves and of time. It's kind of, I don't know how else to describe it. There, there's a mystic experience in the midst of a game, a self-forgetfulness as, as a player enters the flow of a game and becomes part of that. And they forget about time and other things going on. For instance, when I go skiing, I'm a skier. I love, you know, ever since I was five years old, my dad had me on skis, and I lived in the Rockies for a time, which is a little piece of heaven for a skier. And when I would stand at that lip of a mountain peak in some back bowl surrounded by this huge expanse of snowy space and just utter silence, takes my breath away. And then as I chart my course down that mountain and, and with just my muscles and synapses reacting, uh, entirely focused. I, I forget myself. And I'm totally in that moment. I experience what one theologian, Rudolf Otto, called the mysterium tremendum, this sense of being part of something so much larger, sensing your own smallness. You get a heightened sense of connection to God. My wife says, whenever I come back from skiing, my eyes sparkle. I think there's, because I'm connecting with some big sense of life. Any runners here? Runners often talk about, long-distance runners talk about a runner's high. 
this feeling of being so in touch with your body, a freedom, a power flowing within you. It's a feeling of being in touch with something beyond yourself, of transcending space and time. One runner said, when it all works well, it feels like heaven. Or think of some of the more extreme sports. That's been a recent development. Late People are, are pushing the limits of our physical capabilities. There's the desire, this, to, to, this drive to, to risk, to test the limits of the human body, our capacity. I read a great book this past week exploring the meaning of sports. And, and one author said that there is a search for God in all this. He wrote this, Behind every absurd, outrageous skateboarding trick is a desperate desire to reach out, to accomplish more, to touch the sky, to find a transcendent high. He's saying, we're looking for God in this. Somehow in our play, we taste a bit of heaven. Play pulls us out of ourselves when we experience something beyond ourselves, an awareness that life is, is bigger than we are. Now, you've got to wonder, why do we do this? Why do we constantly create games and sports? One of the funniest ones I read about this past week is, is in Gloucestershire, England. For hundreds of years, they've had this game. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty risky game. They're at the top of a steep hill, and they roll a Gloucestershire double cheese down there, and people race down the hill. I mean, literally hurling their bodies. Google it. You can watch the video of people just literally tumbling down the hill. Who thought of that? And why? Right? <laughs> it is just hilarious. Why do we follow sports teams with such passion? Why do we pay, play games with such abandon? Could it be that they are connecting us in really important ways to the God who created us? Could we be connecting with something very important with who we are? Now, maybe some of you are thinking, that's overstatement, isn't it? Come on, that's a piece of exaggeration. Aren't you reading too much into what feels like a trivial part of life? And maybe I am. I mean, would, would God really concern himself with a trifling thing like a game? Do God and games do sports and spirituality have anything to do with one another? And according to the Christian faith, they do absolutely have quite a bit to do with one another. We believe that all of life is God's. It's not just church on Sundays, what we do here that are His, all of life. In the book of Psalms, it says that the earth of the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all those who live in it, Psalm 24, talks about the glory of God filling the whole earth in Psalm 72, which means that God's glory shines in all things, in some quite unexpected things, in beautiful works of art, in songs that break our hearts with their beauty, and in sports and games. There's something of the glory of God in a corner kick that just bends in this beautiful scoring arc, in a roaring DeMar DeRozan slam dunk, in the camaraderie of a team on the peewee hockey squad, in the thrill of a young girl as she discovers the wonder of her body as she knocks out a single and t-ball. There's the glory of God in all that. God's glory shines in our play. C.S. Lewis 
uh, wrote a beautiful quote. It's in your bulletins, and it said, he says, Our leisure, even our play, is a matter of serious concern. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. And then he concludes, It is a serious matter to consider wholesome recreations. It is a serious thing for us to be concerned about play. These biblical thoughts form the basis of what Christians have called Christian grace, uh, common grace, which says that we can know God, not just in church, but we can know something of His, His glory in creation. God clearly demonstrates Himself in Scripture, in Jesus, but also in creation, also in culture around us. It's a beautiful big way to see the world, isn't it? To me, it's, it gives me a great excitement about my Christian faith, that our faith is not small, a Sunday-only thing, but we can live this out every day of our lives. Worship, what we do here, it, it trains us. We're rehearsing this big, beautiful story so that we live out the rest of our lives experiencing God in all things, including our play. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it talk about sports. Um, but play and sport is implicit throughout. So what I want to quickly do is just start with the beginning and go right to the very end of the Christian story and some pieces in between that to show us how play is woven throughout. Now, first of all, creation. Think of creation. God created this world. Now, what we often fail to remember and recall is that God didn't need to create the world. God was self-sufficient in Himself. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was this perfect community of love, of self-giving service. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had everything they needed. So why did God create? God wasn't trying to fill up something that was missing in Himself. No, God has no need of being useful. Everything he does is for its own sake. He does not need to earn a salary. Some, someone once said, that means God is a gentleman of leisure, actually. God is a God of play because he is self-sufficient in himself. He doesn't need anything. So everything he does is simply for the joy of it. So you could say all God does is play. It's a form of play. He does it for the joy of it. And you get a clear sense of that, don't you, in the creation story. As you read about how God created the world, he, and at, at the end of every creating day, you remember what God says? And it was good. There's this affirmation, this blessing. It's actually, it's not just a blessing, it's a sense of delight. It's like, oh, this is good. And then at the very end of the whole creation story, it was very good. And then if you look at creation itself, you got to know there was a sense of delight and play. I mean, whoever created utters God had to have a sense of humor when he was doing that, or an animal like a duck-billed platypus, really. I mean, just the variety and color and creation, you know a God of joy was behind it. And then as you look at the created world, you see how play is deeply wired into it. There is this universal, almost transcultural reality of, for instance, children. They are natural-born players, aren't they? If you have ever been with a child for any length of time, it is impossible to get that child not to play. It's this indelible characteristic of, of being human. Or think about animals. Animals. Google 
uh, is filled with all sorts of videos of animals playing. We spend way too much time looking at those videos, don't we? Just watch a little kitten. Now, I hate cats. Sorry for all you cat lovers. I'm allergic to them. I, I just hate cats. Um, but you watch a, a cat play. They're playful creatures. Absolutely. Our, we have a dog, Jasper. When I come home, Jasper comes and he brings me his little pole toy and plops onto my lap. And like he won't let up until I actually spend some... He's playful at heart. Naturalists have, have spent their lives observing and describing behaviors of animals. And one thing of certain they've said, animals of all kinds, young or old, whether mammals, birds, reptiles, they play. Creation is teaching us something about how genuine and authentic play is to our life. And that instinct of play tells us something, again, about the playfulness of God. If the heavens tell the glory of God and show forth His handiwork, then all this rolling and romping and hopping and jumping of animals and people tells us something about God, too. Creation is filled with this playfulness. Reformed theologian John Calvin, who, who, he said that creation is the theatrum gloria day, the theater of God's glory, the stadium of God's glory. What do you do in a theater or a stadium? You play. We glorify God by play, by delight. Take a look at yourself. Consider your own body, your own self. God made you and I. He gave us bodies that move in wonderful ways. We're not stiff, robotic automatons, are we? He gave us bodies that can run and throw and jump. We, have, we climb, we dance, we dive, we pivot. We have rhythm to move. We have brains that organize and devise and develop and strategize. God gave us imaginations that lead some people to wonder, what would it be like to get this small little white ball in that tiny hole down in the distance in the grass? And so golf gets... Developed. He gave us this innate desire for fun and plague. And God delights in this. He revels in the goodness of it. The picture, the biblical picture is that God delights in our play. God delights in the sports of these Pan Am games. In the acrobatic save of a soccer goalie. In the breathtakingly back and forth of a badminton volley takes pleasure in the graceful leap of a high jumper or the dogged perseverance of a, of a marathon runner. This is just embedded into the world God has made. One author I read cited hockey as evidence that God meant for us to play. And he wasn't Canadian, so he's not trying to support any sort of natural uh, value here. He said this, hockey proves that humans were born to play. The coldest winter conditions could not keep us from sports. Lakes froze and we adapted. People strapped on skates, took up sticks, chased a puck. Nature does not need to cooperate. Games continue in rain, sleet, and snow. Think of how we image God in sports, in games, in just developing a game, whether it's a board game or a sport. We create a world, a world that's governed by certain rules, where play only works within specific boundaries. And so we say, you know what, that fence, that's out of bounds. And here's how they play the game. Three strikes, you're out then. And you can't touch that ball with your hand. So we create all these rules. We're creating a world, which is exactly what God has done in creating this world. He's fashioned this very 
beautiful world in which there are boundaries, in which there are rules, in which the game of life flourishes, and outside of that life, the game of life stops or gets seriously wrecked. We're, we're imaging God in all this. So play in sports is so part of the beautiful life God has given to us. The trouble is, we grow old and we forget this important part of our life. Can't we all be so very serious? We live in an all-too-serious world where we grow old too fast. British journalist G.K. Chesterton once said this about God and us. He said, For we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. Our Father, our joyful, delight-filled Father is younger at heart than we are. And God gives us play and sport as a reminder that at core we are children. Fierce, free, dearly loved children of God. In that passage we read from Luke where Jesus talks about his kingdom, God's kingdom, the world where God reigns. And he said, in that place, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive that kingdom like a little child will never enter it. And so we, in all our adult seriousness, we run the risk of missing God's kingdom, missing out on all the things God intends for us to interact on because we've not understood the heart of a child. And one of the ways God encourages us to become children again is simply play games. And there's a practice that keeps us in this rhythm that God has instituted. It's called the practice of the Sabbath. You probably have heard of it. God commands his people, six days you shall work, but on the seventh, you're going to rest. And what's interesting about the rationale for the Sabbath command found both in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy, can't remember, Deuteronomy is the rationale for it is grounded in God's creation, in the joy, in the playfulness of creation. The Sabbath sets limit to our work. It reminds us you are not just work units. You are created for more than this. And it grants us not just the opportunity, but the obligation to rest. And on the Sabbath, what we do is we pray and we play. The Sabbath is one of these good-for-nothing days. Don't be productive, God says on it. You're not to do any work. Don't be productive. Fritter time away with me and with others. Recreate yourselves. Beautifully waste time. Don't kill it. Waste it beautifully in both prayer and play. The practice of Sabbath teaches us to limit our seriousness. It creates a space where we can let go of our responsibilities, where we can trust someone is in control of this world, God, and in His good hands we can trust. And that creates a space in our lives for play and for leisure where we can enjoy God and the life He's given to us. Now, this isn't to say there aren't serious problems in sports. I don't want you to get that sense because like everything else in this life, sport and play is broken. It's bent with sin. Sports, it certainly can point out things in our lives that need to be addressed, priming us to, to meet God, to worship Him. But it can also mislead us, deceive us. I mean, think of sports, how much sports has been commercialized, for instance. You know, it's become a business instead of a game. And it often pre points to greed as opposed to play. The comedian, the talk show comedian David Letterman captured that pretty well. 
when he, he looked at, the, you know, the seventh inning stretch song they sing at baseball games, take me out to the ball game, you know that song? He says, it really should be rephrased, not take me out to the ball game, but take me out to the corporate sponsored megaplex. Because he's getting it. It's, it's sort of, sports has been co-opted. The original purpose of athletics and sport as a gift of play gets muscled out as it becomes a corporate uni- uh, entity. And then the whole notion of how performance gets emphasized against the love of a game. Now, performing in a sport, of course, it's important. It's vital. But winning has been made everything. Who remembers Olympic bronze medalists? Most of us don't. They're forgettable, which is crazy because when you think about it, third place in the world, that's astonishing accomplishment, isn't it? And yet somehow we said, well, that's not quite best, is it? Sorry. And we forget those people. And the delight in play gets lost in the focus on performance. And so while sports and games are good pointers to God, ultimately they leave us longing for more, for more of God, because only in God, in Jesus Christ, do all those longings and desires that sports and play surfaces in us, only then in God do they get fulfilled. Think about it. In Jesus, God frees us from the performance trap frees us to play because here's how it happens the gospel tells us that jesus christ died to rescue us from all of the sin all of the brokenness of the world for our, from our constant temptation to prove ourselves and we are always trying to prove ourselves and sports is another way that people try to prove themselves god if i you know it's it's sort of like we're, we're seeking some gold medal some gold star from god but jesus frees us from that whole dynamic by giving us his approval. Through his death on the cross, he frees us from that performance trap that plagues our life. And so now, instead of seeking approval, God invites us into his life, not based on our winning, someone else losing, not based on our trying to prove ourselves or getting some gold star from God, but based on God's love for us, based on not what we do, but on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That's the sort of life that God always has held out to us, which he now in Jesus Christ holds out to us again, a life free to play. And that's the life we look forward to in eternity to experience. God created this world for joy and play, and that's where it's headed. That prophecy we read from Zechariah, Old Testament prophecy, is one of the most beautiful pictures of what heaven is like of where this world is going. God is at work saving this world, rescuing it from all that is wrong and bent and broken. And the picture he gives is a city where old men and old women are safe and secure. And a city where the streets are filled with boys and girls laughing and playing there. Don't you love that? That's the life God holds out for you and for me, for the city of our Toronto, for our world to experience and know a life where we feel alive and energized, where we experience deep community without someone else losing, a life that doesn't depend on that dynamic, a life that's held out to us with grace, a life, life that's pictured as, as this never-ending street hockey game where the kids never have to yell out, go! You know, it's just one beautiful, continuous time of play where we are free to be children, safe in God, free to play. So, 
no matter what forms of play or games you pursue, whether it's a game of cards or dancing or pickup baseball or Dutch blitz or fishing, settlers of Catan or gardening, do it all with all your heart for the Lord, recognizing it is a reflection of the God you serve. And as you play, may your life then be an answer to all the Friedrich Nietzsche's of the world that indeed there is and that you know a God who dances and who plays. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these Pan Am games that are happening in this city, for this lovely, crazy event that is sparking our passions. We thank you for play and for sports that ignite joy in us, that remind us that it's okay to be a child, to play again. It gives us little tastes of, of where this world is headed. And yet we know with all these hopes and dreams ignited, we also see the absence of that world. We know all the incongruities of an event like the Pan Am Games where a ticket to an event costs more than some people in different parts of the world make in a year. And where right beside the beauty and the celebration of the games are the mean realities of poverty in our city. And so we pray, God, for all that's wrong too, for every instance where a person's humanity is somehow lost or diminished. We long for your kingdom, God, in all its fullness, where all manner of brokenness and drudgery and disease and decay and death are finally going to be left behind. And in its place will be joy, security, play. So God, make us little foretastes of that kingdom. Make us people of joyful delight. And may the hopes and desires of a better joy-filled world that we can taste in something like these Pan Am games, may it fill all of our resolve to make sure that all people experience the joy and the delights and the play of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.